Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. I thank God that I am never alone. I thank God for that. And I, and if just, just bear with me for a few moments because uh, I just want to thank God for my family. You know, it's a powerful thing when we train up our children in the way that they should go. And in so many ways, David Jerome Morris Jr. is my child. I carried him on my hip. He cried for milk constantly. I remember we went to Atlanta and we had to pull over because he kept crying for milk. I mean, constantly. You thought it was a hole in the nipple, but I don't know. But I thank God for him because I can see God doing a work in him. I can see God doing a work in him. I like it because he gets up before the others to get ready to go to church. And, and God is doing an amazing thing because he's in college now. And he's doing exceedingly above anything I could ever imagine. But God already knew that. But I thank God for the foundation. And, I, and it's not only a foundation that I laid in him, thank you Jesus, but his grandmother who's celebrating a birthday today. So let's give her a hand clap of praise. And I thank God that she's here. She's the matriarch of our family and, and, and my sister Vera. They surprised me. I had no idea they were coming. Because when I looked around the corner and I said, Lord, that looked like Blanche. <laughs> and that tells you how surprised I was. And I, I thank God for my pastor, my brother, who was the illegally adopted. <laughs> but God made that thing right. We didn't need to go to the courthouse <laughs> because he solidified it. And his wife, Ann, whom I do love, I mean, you know, I love my sisters. I, I thank God for my sisters. I, I do. And I thank God for my church family. I thank God for y'all. And I'm not going to prolong the hour, but I do want us to go before the Lord in prayer. And I want you to join with me. And I, I want us all to get into the spirit. I want us all to get into that spirit realm where this word that you are about to hear from the throne of grace and mercy will make an impact on your life and you won't leave this place the same way you came in. So Lord, we come before your throne of grace and mercy, Lord God, just saying thank you. We thank you, Lord God, that you have worked all things out for our good because you love us, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, even more that you are a forgiver of our sins, Lord God, because we want to approach your throne of grace and mercy, Lord God, in right standing. Because we don't want nothing to hinder this word, Lord God, that we are about to receive, Lord God. We want everything, Lord God, to work in order, Lord God, because you are God of order. And Lord God, in the name of Jesus, move everything that is not of you. That, Lord God, our ears may be open and our hearts may be receptive, Lord God. That this word will fall on good ground. 
and that you, oh God, will get the harvest. God, we thank you. And Lord God, we love you. Now have your way in this place, Lord God. Decrease me where you, Lord God, will be increased. I take nothing for myself, Lord God, but I give all glory and honor, Lord God, unto you. You be glorified, Jesus. And it's in your name, Lord God, that we pray. Amen. Why? Have you ever asked the question? Of course you have. I'm sure some of you in the midst of everything wrong happening to you have uttered these six words. Why is this happening to me? You think, what did I do to deserve this? Why my family? Why my job? Why my car? Why my health? Why does it seem to be that my life is always falling apart? Why is often asked because we have this misconception that if we understand the reason behind our pain, then it will make the pain easier to bear. Listen, it is part of our Christian DNA to want to know God's purpose beforehand. However, I, I am beginning to realize that God can take our questions better than we can. Because if you remember in Judges 6, Gideon was not rebuked for asking why. When he said, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befalling upon us? And where are all these miracles which our forefathers told us about? And even the sinless son of God asked this, asked this question on the cross. Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But this morning I want us to turn our attention to the book of Genesis where we see a woman by the name of Rebecca who asked the, asked the why question. In fact, she probably asked it a dozen times with all that happened to her. Of all the biblical matriarchs, Rebecca's life is perhaps the most difficult to understand and the most complicated to analyze because it's filled with contradictions and challenges as in the case with many of us. But when we first encounter Rebecca in Genesis 24, we, we, we see that God had prepared and, and, and transformed Rebecca to be the person that he wanted her to be. And that included she was beautiful, yet remained morally pure. She hadn't slept with anyone. She was a hard-working woman and, and generous and had a humble spirit. She was God's perfect match for Isaac, as his wife. In fact, Rebecca, Rebecca was, uh, was exactly what he needed as a wife. That completed him as a man. And then she submitted herself completely to the Lord's will, doing what he wanted her to do. Now, if I could sing the lyrics from the Clark sisters, I would say that Rebecca is living a blessed life. She's living a blessed life. See, she's blessed when she comes, and then she's blessed when she goes. See, Rebecca is living that blessed life. And I know you, you can see that everything that God has worked for her good. Rebecca has no worries. Rebecca seems to skip along with no cares. And I, can, I think you can all agree with me that everything seems good, right? Wouldn't you agree with that, that so far everything in Rebecca's life just adds up? 
That's that Christian that is just blessed. And what they say, I'm highly favored. Rebecca, see, she, she got a man that loves her. She's part of God's amazing covenant, which includes having countless descendants and being a blessing to all nations of the earth. The Lord gives Rebecca a promising beginning, but then things seem to fall apart. Notice, as we have read in our responsive readings, notice Genesis 25, verse 19. It opens with the generations of Isaac. Not that Rebecca was beautiful or that Rebecca trusted the Lord. It says that she was barren. Now, barrenness was not a positive thing as it was thought that having children added value to womanhood. Now, I have no doubt that Rebecca, you know, she had knowledge that she was a part of this, this covenant plan of God. But the promise to Rebecca seems as dead as her womb. But can you imagine with me, can you imagine with me how, how, how Rebecca might have been thinking? Perhaps it was something like this, because you, you, you know how we do it now. You know how we do it. You know, Lord, I was obedient to your call to leave my home and travel alone to marry this man that I never met. Now, I thank you that he loves me. I thank you for that. But I am so tired of being disappointed. All the disappointments. I'm so tired of being disappointed. Your answer to me all these 20 years have been no, and repeatedly you said no. And then, just in case you forgot, even my relatives made their speeches and expressed their, their good wishes, saying, Oh, sister, may you increase to thousands upon thousands. And all your covenant promises, Lord, they, they are resting on me. And, and Lord, I just got to tell you, this is a heavy burden. I, I, I just can't bear it. Lord, tell me, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? But we read in verse 21, and it says, And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebecca, his wife, conceived. Now, this is what I like about Isaac. Unlike his parents who tried to fix the problems themselves, through the flesh, Isaac trusted God to fix the problem. See, Isaac is a praying man. He's an intercessor. Because I went back and looked in Genesis 24 when she first met the man. They said he was out in the field praying. He was out in the field praying. He went out there skipping rocks. He was out there praying. But there's a part of the Bible, and not the English Standard Version, that used the word entreat. And see, that word gives it a lot more power to the scripture. Because the word entreat, according to the theological workbook of the Old Testament, it means to make an honest prayer. It, it, it means I'm, I'm, I'm beseeching you, I'm, I'm imploring you, God. You know, I, I, I'm begging I'm pleading God. In other words, you got to think about it. Isaac just ain't out there praying no wimpy prayer. Isaac ain't praying no wimpy prayer. Isaac is going before the, before the throne of grace and mercy with tears. I don't even thought, you know what I mean? His heart is heavy for his wife. 
But here lies an application for us men, or for you men, because I am a woman, for you men, that you got to pray for your wife. You got to go before the Lord and implore him. Lord God, I see what you want to do with my wife. Lord God, I'm believing this for my wife. Because this is a desperate hour that we're living in. And it's going to take some desperate men and it's going to take some desperate women to come into the things that God has for us. But I don't want you to be misled and think that he went down for five minutes and got up and then all was well. No, in verse 26 it said it 20 years passed before God chose to answer that prayer for Rebecca to be able to have a child. So that lets you know it's going to take prayer. It's going to take waiting. It's going to take prayer. It's going to take waiting. But God is faithful. God's going to do what he said he's going to do. It ain't your timing. It's his timing. For his thoughts are not our thoughts, and his ways are surely not our ways. And you got to thank God for that. So the first thing I want you to see is that receiving God's blessings requires grace. One commentator wrote that the seed of the promise that this great nation had to be prayed for, that it might not be regarded merely as a fruit of nature, but recognized and received as a gift of grace. That grace was because of God's great love, his great mercy, his great promises that he had promised unto them. And if you notice with me and you go back with me, God has a way of prefacing an exceptional work with exceptional difficulties. It was often the way that he would take. You remember Hannah who went before the Lord in prayer that even the prophet thought that she was drunk with wine? But she was praying for what we know, whom we know as Samuel, the prophet Samuel. Or if you're having problems with Anna, go and look at Elizabeth. It took sorrow and prayer before the, before the angel Gabriel visited Zacharias and told her, it told, well, told him that your wife is going to be pregnant with a child. But it took prayer and it took patiently waiting and not trying to fix the problem in themselves, but waiting on the Lord. We have a tendency to put our hands on things that we should not put our hands on. We have a tendency not to wait on God. And all he's saying is just wait on me. I'm doing, a, I'm, I'm, I'm perfecting this thing. I, I want this thing to be not about this or that. You're going to have to give me the glory for this one. I believe God will stretch us even for decades in order to get us into the right shape. I'm going to say it one more time. I believe God will stretch us even for decades in order to get us into the right shape. Because he's doing an exceptional work of grace both in you and through you. There is a way that we must go in order to come to the life of Christ. God's plan doesn't happen to us, it happens through us. God knew all the pieces of Rebecca's story and proposed them for his plan and his glory long before they came to be. Rebecca, if you think about it, didn't do one thing to deserve what was offered to her. She was sought out. She was told all about Abraham and his son Isaac. 
And all she had to do was give an answer. She does not, she does not have to do one thing. She is re, she's receiving something she did not deserve, much less ask for. That's why I know God knows all your mistakes, all your poor choices. And he says, I love you. Your calling, it goes along with your salvation. He has saved us and called us to this holy, to be holy. Not because of anything that we have done, but because of his own purpose and his grace. When God spoke to, Rebe to Rebecca, she had to move from where she was and go to where God was calling her for the miracle to happen. That same God is speaking to us this morning. Telling us to get up out of certain things. You got to get up out of that and leave it alone. You got to get up out of certain situations. Because see, God wants to get you to this point where you're not constantly, constantly saying, please Lord, give me the grace to get out of this relationship. Give me the grace to cease this practice. It's time that we got to start saying, yes Lord, you have called me to something deeper. You have called me to make a difference in this church, in my marriage, in my home, on my job. You have called me to, to be a person who can boast and brag about you, that others will glorify your name. So I am no longer going to say, why, Lord, while merely sitting in unbelief. I am going to agree with you, get out of where I should not be, and go where you are calling me. Why? Because according to Galatians 2.20, my life is not my own. Because I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live for myself. But Christ lives in me. You got to look at yourself and say, does Christ really live in me? Because we are too much about self. It's all about us. And I know you said it, Pastor, this morning. We sneeze, we don't want to get up. We got issues, and there are issues that we can overcome. And I'm speaking to myself. Don't get me wrong. Sickness is a part of life. But it's something about that word compel. The love of God has got to compel us to want to go farther. The love of Christ has got to compel us to want to go higher. See, the word compel, it hems you in. It leaves you no choice. That's what Paul is saying. You, I don't have a choice. Because I love God so much. I got to get up. I got to serve him. I got to do what God is calling me to do. That's why we're saying. You say, it, you say it all the time in the church, we're saved not to sit, but we're saved to serve. And not one of us, from the youngest to the oldest, have an excuse. We don't have an excuse. Surely you're going to put up one, but it's still no excuse when you stand before the throne of grace and mercy. Because surely he's going to run that footage. He's going to run that footage. He's going to ask me, Nita, why you won there? Why you won that Bible study, faith development? Why you weren't in church Sunday? Why you didn't do what I called you to do? What is hindering you? I died and nailed it all to that cross. But for some reason, some reason we want to take it and pick it back up. We died in those things. They're dead and buried. But the problem is we walk around dead and buried too. We're like the walking dead. 
God has given us life and he's given it to us in abundance. You can agree with me. He has given us life and he's given it to us in abundance. We have no excuse. He became poor that I may become rich. We don't have no excuse. None whatsoever. Ain't nothing you're going to be able to render to him. I won't be able to render anything unto the God that I serve. I can't say nothing. Somebody got to say, I give myself away. My life just ain't my own. It is he that made us. Not one of us shaped ourselves. Not one of us formed ourselves. Not one of us even knew that we would be knit together in our mother's womb. It says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. But this isn't part of that my soul knows it well. How many of your souls are crying out to you that you know it well? You got to start, we got to start talking to ourselves. We got to start talking to ourselves through the word of God. Ain't nothing else going to move us, ain't nothing else going to hold us but the word of God. The word of God can cease a lot of things that happens in your life. But how many times are we turning the pages? The Lord is so good and so gracious. You got an iPhone, you got an iPad. We ain't got no excuse. If you don't want to hold a handheld Bible, you got so many electronic devices, and then you can't tell me that you don't know the plans that I have for you because all you got to do is hit the button, and it'll bring it up. It'll bring up the scripture. It'll bring up the title. We ain't got no excuse. We got it, but we don't use it. It's all about us. That's why that iPhone, that iPad, they have those names. Because it's all about self. And we got to get out of self. And we got to get out of self. And not only do receiving God's blessing require grace, but receiving God's blessing requires struggle. It says in verse 22, 23, going into those verses, it says the children struggled together within her. And she said, if it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. She didn't call Oprah. She didn't call Dr. Phil. She didn't look in the Google map and say, why is this happening to me? And, and find two or three Buddhas and everything else. She went to the Lord. went to the Lord and she asked him why see Rebecca I didn't turn away from God but she sought solace by turning to God to understand the meaning of this struggle this breaking this, this fierce and violent pain which was much worse than your normal labor pains the children seem to be fighting on the inside of her. And, and this, is, this experience is what caused Rebecca to go and ask this question. If it be this way, she said, why do I live? Why, why am I living, God? That's one thing we got to understand. Just because you have a promise, it doesn't mean that you'll be free from pain. It's going to include strife and struggle. 
The Holy Spirit, y'all got to work with me. I need you to go into the spirit realm. I need some spirit, some spirit-filled people to start to come and go with me. Because this is why we're finna get some breakthrough. The Holy Spirit is saying because the weight of your purpose is so great, it will produce a struggle within you. Because it's a treasure that you are carrying. The Bible tells us that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, that the baby leaked in her womb, and, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. The presence of the Lord activated the purpose on the inside of Elizabeth, and she heard the presence of God. The Bible tells us that Elizabeth stayed, and Mary stayed with Elizabeth until the time had come. The presence of God stayed with her until the purpose and the promise was fulfilled. When women, when, you, when they begin to have these contractions, and that's a sign that labor has started and it's, it is time for the baby to be born. Now every woman in here who has had a child know that contractions are painful and they are uncomfortable. Your body is preparing itself for the purpose. It's, it's carrying itself, it's, it's preparing itself for the release of the purpose. It begins to stretch in order for the purpose to fit through. And the tightness and the intensity of the stretching makes you think that you can't go any farther. But God said, he won't leave you, nor will he forsake you. He'll stay with you through the process. One thing about labor, it's not telling you how long it's going to last. It can be 24 hours. It can be 36 hours. It can be 48 hours. It can take years. This kind of labor church that we're in, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some time. You're in a stretching process right now. The word says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. I got to know, is anybody in here in labor? The, contract, the, the contractions, are, they, they're beginning to stretch your body. Now it's time to give birth. And ladies, I, I need you to look at yourself and say, I'm getting into the birthing position. And look at yourself and say, I'm getting into the birthing position. The position is uncomfortable and, and, and rather yet embarrassing. But there's a reason why you must open, be open and, and, and to see why, why you are in this position. Because there's, there shall be in a performance. There's going to be a performance. Performance means the execution of action. Something accomplished. The fulfillment of a promise or request. It's a public presentation or an ex ex exhibition. There's going to be a public presentation of what God spoke into your life so that he may get the glory. It don't matter how long ago he spoke it. The bottom line is the Bible says in Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should change his mind. What he has said he will do. Oh, he, oh has he spoken and, and he won't fulfill it. I have learned, listen, I, I have learned, and I'm going to keep learning in my Christian walk with the Lord.
The enemy's job is to stop me from reaching, to stop us from reaching our destination, to stop us from reaching our destiny. He doesn't want you to give birth. He's even right now putting some tactic in, in your mind trying to get you not to give birth this morning. But I'm convinced this morning that there are some women here who don't want to forfeit the promise of God. And I got to tell you this because the Lord spoke this to my spirit. You're going to, the reason why the new Piney Grove Baptist Church, the reason why we're, 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 we're forfeiting so many promises, because there are some of you who are in the right position. You, you, I mean, there are some of you who are walking in the wrong position because you don't know who you are. There are some of you walking in the wrong position because you don't know who you are. Then there are some of you who are in the right position, but you can't be effective because you don't know whose you are. There are some of you who are in the right position, but you can't be effective in it because you don't know whose you are. But God wants you to avoid the miscarriage. He wants to allow you, he wants you to allow him to turn, to turn what the enemy meant as a stumbling block into a stepping stone. He has the ability to take the negatives in our lives and turn them into the positives. Because we know that all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord, who are called according to his purpose. Whatever God has begun in your life, he will finish it. What he has spoken, he will manifest it. What he has promised, he will perform. As long as you will endure the process. As long as you will endure the process. To endure means to stand firm under pressure. When you are under pressure, you discover what is in you. And what is in you has already, has already been prepared to prevail. You are of God, little children. That's what 1 John 4 says. And it says, I have overcome them because he who is in you, he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. He that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. God has a promise for you. You need to tell the devil that you have decided not to settle, not to compromise, not to give up on what God has proclaimed in your life. Whatever you are pregnant with, whatever you are pregnant with, will be birthed, but you've got to endure the process. You've got to have patience. You've got to trust God. You've got to trust him for the provision. The prophet Joel, he called out and, and he said, wake up, mighty men. He said that. But I'm saying, wake up, mighty women of New Piney Grove. See, this morning, God has anointed me to be your spiritual midwife. I'm here to wake up your dreams, wake up your talents, 
Wake up your potential. Wake up what God has put in you. You may have to let some things go because God wants to take you to a certain place. And what the devil had assigned for you when you were five, don't let it keep you at the age that you are now. You got to start feeling the kicking on the inside of you. That baby that is within you, that dream, that promise is still in you. You got to get ready. You got to get ready for something to happen. Because when you do, it's going to thrust you to another level. It's going to thrust you to a higher dimension. Right here in this church, God is calling us. He's calling us. He's asking us to just let him birth something out of us this morning. He just wants to know if you will say yes. He wants to know if you will say yes. Yes to his will. Yes to his plans. He just needs a yes from you this morning. No matter what it may look like, Lord, I say yes. No matter what it may seem like, Lord, I'm, I say yes. Yeah, Lord, I got health issues, but I say yes. Lord, I got family problems, but I say yes. Lord, I got situations that I don't even understand, but I say yes because I know you understand. You have told me this morning, Lord God, that there is nothing that should hinder me from giving birth this morning to the promise that you have put in me. And there is not one woman in here that doesn't have a promise on the inside of her. This morning, the Lord is saying, listen, don't abort the promise because God is not a forceful God. He's not going to make you. He's not going to make you do anything. But there's already something on the inside of you. I like the fact that when we were talking about, Pastor Dave was talking about a, a dance ministry. It hadn't come into fruition yet, but now we see Amber. She's dancing. I know that's been on the marquee about how we need to have someone in the nursery. And look, we have a nursery plan because Amber is taking that on, Amber, Amber Colonel. But there are things in us. There's women enrichment. There are things God wants to do with us. When we have breakfast with him, he wants more than just a plate set on the tables. He wants your heart set there. Because he wants to burst something out of you. Surely we are growing in our women's ministry. But there's more. There's more required of us. There are more dreams that God wants to fulfill in this house. But you got to endure the process. And ladies, if you would just come up to the altar, come in faith, knowing that God has planted something on the inside of you. It doesn't matter what happened last week. Don't let that hold you. Just come to the altar. Because God will never leave you, nor will he forsake you. God just says, I'm going to stay with you. And I know it's got to be some woman that, women in this place that want God to stay with me. And men, I need for you as those intercessors. You got wives up here. You got sisters in Christ. Start interceding. Start interceding on our behalf. That we will birth out every promise that God has given us. Thanks for listening. 
We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.